Welcome to the LifePurpose.com podcast. The number one podcast in the entire cosmos for empowering and inspiring you to live your life's purpose. My name is Hema Allman. And I'm Gabriel Sarah. And today's episode is about the choice points in time that lead up to your life purpose. Right before drinking our cacao today, I heard the phrase in my mind repeating, if you want great change, change yourself and make the greatest changes on yourself in order to see great changes. And I believe that starts with doing something radically different in your life and implementing drastic changes by doing something differently radically and that's how you become a completely different person and if you want to see fast changes in your life and great changes in your life i believe you have to start doing something differently so that you can become someone different so that your life can be different and i believe that many of us myself included are perhaps not fully aware of the power of doing something different and the power of action to change your life and to change who you are. I believe a lot of us are too passive with our lives. And when we become too passive, it's easy to sit on the sidelines and it's easy to complain and be a volunteer victim. <laughs> I copied the word, the word uh, volunteer victim from Les Brown. I was listening to an audiobook from Les Brown and he uses the word volunteer victim and that so many people, they play the volunteer victim and the importance of getting out of that mindset. And this is also connected to leadership and being the leader of your life. And that requires us to be active and to embrace that masculine side of us and to be willing to do something radically different so that we can become someone radically different so that our lives can transform radically fast. And yeah, I believe change is not hard. I believe your life can literally change overnight. But you have to ask yourself, are you willing to change overnight? Are you willing to do something so radically different overnight so that your life can change overnight? Does that make sense? Have you ever done that? Have you ever done something so radically different that your life changed over time? Overnight? Over time, yes. But overnight, I can't think of anything. I think great changes in my life, they have usually taken their time. But I am now awakening to a new reality, which has been coming to my awareness in the last days and weeks, that you can have a completely different reality in a very short amount of time. It can happen overnight, but it's going to be up to you. Are you willing to change something in your reality, something about you, something about your vibration, something about your habits, something about your words, something about your action, something so radical? a pattern interrupt, if you will, that will elevate you to a new reality overnight. 
is that possible? Can we quantum leap realities overnight? And instead of merely wishing for changes or wishing for things to get better, can we actually make it happen overnight and be a completely new person from the time we went to bed to the time we wake up in the morning and experience a whole new reality? I believe this is very possible, but it's going to require us to reinvent ourselves overnight, if that makes sense. It does. I don't think the manifestation happens overnight, though. I don't. I couldn't imagine you going from, let's say, living in the projects to living in a $4.2 million house overnight. There's, I mean, literally overnight, like in the span of 24 hours. I think there are levels to it, but as you were saying, I think that when you do something different or you think a different thought, and Albert Einstein, that, that's a, there's a really good quote about Albert Einstein where he says, you can't solve the problem with the same level of thinking that got you into the problem. So if you think about it, what got you here won't get you to where you want to be unless you change your thoughts, unless you change your psychology. Also the same thing too with, let's say, your body composition. If you're not happy with your physical body, you've got to make a change. What kind of a change? That depends on you. There's tons of resources out there now in this year, 2023, by the year 2023, that you can do just a handful of things perfectly and you'll be all right. The main thing is changing your diet. We've seen the effects and the powers of that in our own lives. Yeah, maybe we want to talk about this a little bit in more depth. As well as physical activity. These are just some of the things, but I think the main thing where you're coming from too is in the case of the big ones and their purpose in life, the big changes happen when you embrace your bigness, when you start playing full out with your purpose. And that requires you to do something radically different. And I can I can pretty much just think about this right now. Like if let's say someone had their own business and it was successful, it doesn't matter how much money they, they make from it. If it's not in alignment with their purpose, with their true truth, their true North Star, something radically different would be to leave that business and go headfirst into whatever their purpose is, whatever their calling in life is. If someone has a job, a radical change would be to do one thing. And if they say they found their purpose and do one thing that supports their purpose and do that in a compounding way. There's uh, something to be said about water and the power of water and how powerful water can be. And I remember either reading, seeing, or hearing from some source that water is powerful enough to break down stone. It does it over time, though. It does it in a compounding way. So if you have the will to live out your life purpose, and if you have the will to take action and do something radically different than what you were normally used to doing, because we are creatures of habit, and as creatures of habit, if we have a certain lifestyle, a certain way of doing things, and to go out of that is already so radically different for us to, for example, to produce content for your life purpose, to build an audience, to leave a job, leave your business, go start that thing, whatever it is that is your life purpose, that's a radical shift in your behavior, that's a radical shift in your actions, that's a radical shift in the 
energetic frequency that you're putting out there into the universe, if you think about it. When I ask you, Hama, what were you doing in particular from the time that you had your life in London slash you came back to Austria and you were taking like a gap year, I think it was, to figure out your life in the next stages of your life? What were you consuming, whether it was content or nutrition, what were you doing, whether it was exercising or meditating or walks, what things were you doing around that time that radically shifted you from that old life in London to meditation coach to then traveling around the world? It didn't happen overnight, but it happened. Yeah, there were specific actions that I took. I can think of three or four action in a time span of maybe three to four years, which I can clearly see have catapulted me into a whole different reality. And it is by a choice you make, the choice you make to do something, that's already where the power is. When you're committed to make a choice and to do something, you are redirecting your life. With every choice you make, you are redirecting the course of your life. So for me, the main choice that redirected my life was to leave London, to leave the city. That was one choice. That was one action. The next action was to sign up to become a meditation slash mental coach and to sign up for the training. That was the second choice. I put in the action. I signed up. That redirected my life once again. And I went to a different reality. Then there was this choice point of creating a YouTube channel and uploading a video about the three ways to find your life's purpose. That choice and that action put me again to a different timeline. That then brought me to you. Then I set the action to reach out to you by sending you a message, multiple messages on Instagram, on your email, on Facebook. And because I made that action, I had a phone call with you. And that phone call, that action, set us to a whole new reality. Then I booked a ticket to see you in New York. And that action put me once again to a whole new timeline. And that action lead it up to us traveling the world. So I'm seeing all these action steps that I took. I'm seeing all these action steps so clearly right now in my inner eye. There were specific actions, five or six main actions that I took in a span of four to five years, which were key actions that put me into the reality that I'm in now. And had I not taken these actions, I would be somewhere completely different. But I'm seeing these key action steps right now because these were like striking moments in my life. And what I mean by striking moment is, you know, when you take action, you do something completely different. It is so powerful. It creates such powerful ripples, just like you throw a massive rock into the lake and the ripples it creates, it's like you're creating a shock wave 
with doing something radically different. And that ripples out into your future and into the timelines that are possible for you. Just with one action, just with one committed action, the mind cannot comprehend what that action is actually doing to your future. But you can only realize that looking back at it, like I'm doing right now. For I still remember when I received the calling, Hema, start a YouTube channel, upload a video, three steps to finding your life's purpose. To the version of me back then, that sounded insignificant. It sounded like, oh, why? Why should I do this? It doesn't make sense. And that was actually my first thought when I heard the calling to do that. I put it aside, I put it off instead of doing it now. Instead of doing it now, the human side of me was too silly, too stupid, not taking it seriously, saying, oh, whatever, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it next week. And I needed to hear the inner calling, like the inner intuition come back to me like a guardian angel telling me, Emma, please, you have to do this. There was a time span probably between two to four weeks where I actually postponed uploading that YouTube video. I procrastinated for about a month, but the voice and the intuition kept coming back to me, Emma, create a YouTube channel, make a video, that's it. It's not a big deal, but the lazy ass version of me was just procrastinating and postponing not taking the calling seriously because I allowed the human side of me, the lazy side of me, the passive side of me to procrastinate. And the human side of me was thinking, oh, what is that going to do to my life? But thanks God, I did it anyway, even though there was a lot of procrastination. And now reflecting back on it six years later, I can see that just this one action opening a YouTube channel, uploading one video, that was a key action step to put me into the next best reality. Had I not done that, I would be somewhere completely different. It's neither good nor bad, but I can see the importance. Would you say that that changed the entire course of your life from that moment on? I'm getting a lot of chills right now, yes. And this is the point of what I am sharing Everything that I'm sharing today on this podcast, the point is that you may be called to do something and it may not make sense to you. And you may think that it's just a little tiny ass action, but in actuality, it is going to change the entire course of your life. So my message to you is please do not underestimate the power of divinely guided action. It's very interesting that you bring up those key moments in your life because that reminds me directly to a book that I read some years ago. The title of the book is called, I think, Reality Transurfing. I forget who the author is, yep. but the concept of the book is that when you create an intention, when you create a desire, when you have some type of desire that is, is born within you, the universe will conspire to construct your life in such a way where you do get to that intended reality as quickly as possible. But what happens is because we, we can't obviously tell 
at least the human eyes cannot tell, hey, you're shifting into another reality. Maybe on an intuitive level you can, but the human eyes cannot. So to go to know that you're going from level one of your reality to level two, it's not visibly seeable, right? No, it is. It in, is. In some cases, I'm not saying like I'm saying it from the point of going through like a portal. Like you're not seeing a translucent film, and then you're stepping through it, and then you're now in a completely entirely new reality. But the the both of us, I just want to say that the both of us, we have both with our physical eyes seen signs that we are literally shifting reality yes when you're reality transurfing when you're going from one reality to another you're usually not going to go through like a magic door and then you're going to be on the other side you're not you're not having that kind of experience the changes that you may see in your outer world as feedback that you are shifting realities are subtle however the main point of the book, Reality Transurfing, says something very similar to what you just said. And that is that when you have an intention, maybe your intention when you left London was, I want to find my life purpose. Yes. Be the best version of myself. The universe says, roger that. God says, okay, you got it. And from then on, the universe gives you checkpoints. Yeah. So like you said, there was five massive, six massive points of action that you took. Those were like checkpoints. And if you're ready to, if you're truly ready to go to the next level, once you get to that checkpoint, you've got like a fork in the road decision. It's either do or die. It's either you do and you go to that next checkpoint along your journey or you don't and you stay in that reality. You're done. And... The universe lines it up in such a way, it's like you're traveling from, let's say if you're, we're traveling from here where we are to the airport and you take a train. Well, in order for you to get to that train, you have to take it at a certain time. Maybe sometimes you need to transfer other trains because the train that you were originally taking was not going to take you all the way to the airport. So you might have to have a layover stop, wait somewhere for another 20 minutes, and then take another train and then after you take that train, maybe you take a bus. And after you take the bus, maybe you need to take a taxi. Maybe you need to, whatever the case is. And then you wait until you take your flight. And that's the same concept with the reality transurfing. So, like you said, your life didn't change necessarily in 24 hours. It changed over the course of a few years. And now when you look back at it, you could say, wow, there were really key, five, six key different checkpoints in, in that time span that got me here. And if I had not done the first thing, I would not have gotten to the second thing. And if I had not done that YouTube video, taken that massive action. It wasn't even massive. Well, for some people it is. For some, like, really, let's, let's be honest about this. For some people, some people are very camera shy. I mean, it's relative. Some people are self-conscious. Some people hate the sound of their voice. Some people hate the way they look. I know I've been there. And to put yourself out on camera, to put your videos up there, to be seen and viewed and criticized by the entire world, people you never wouldn't even meet, that, that can be a significant action for some people. So that one video that you made, had you waited any longer, would the YouTube algorithm have sent you my video that was concurrently at the same time about a life purpose? Had that not happened, would you have found me? Had that not happened, would 
the conversation happened. Had that not happened, would and then the next step and the next step and here we yeah. are, lifepurpose.com. So when you do something radically different, you become something radically different. Yes. Because you're not really doing anything, you're just expressing what's radically different inside of you and the outward manifestation, the symbol of it appears in your outer world. Yeah. So the book was basically talking about that and how you have these little junction points, these transfer points to help you move timelines to get to that next reality. And that also brings me to another book that I'm currently listening to by a retired Navy SEAL called David Goggins. And the book is called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And I really like this book. This this is probably going to be one of my one of my top books now. And the reason why is because David Goggins had he had a really rough life and there was a junction point in his journey where he wanted to be the best of what he could be. He, in essence, he wanted to be the big one because he knew there was something in him, but he knew that because his identity, his self-worth was so low, his perception of himself was so little, he wanted to be around the best to elevate himself, to become the best version of himself. And much like you said, there was that first checkpoint. That first checkpoint for him was getting out of work that day when he did, taking the shower at the exact time that he did, having the TV on at the exact time that he did, and hearing the commercial for the Navy SEAL advertisement. Mm, it's the little, it's the perceived little thing. Exactly. It's those little things where it seems like it's so insignificant, but if you look back at it, it alters the course of your life. And it was so interesting how David Goggins was talking about that. You're talking about that. And I can think to myself of a couple of times where looking back at it, like, wow, if I had chosen this versus that, my life, the course of my life would have been completely different. Completely different. Wow. Like you um, shifting to a fruitarian diet, it's one of these massive actions. I see that clearly. Because you have chosen to eat now a fruitarian diet, this has like really elevated your timeline. I believe so. And also what you did today, this morning. Yeah, I believe so. These things all make a difference. And we may not think it's such a big deal, but it is. And I could even recall too, the first time that I took ayahuasca and then I told you about it. And then you started telling other people about it. And now to see those people having taken ayahuasca and how that's shifted their reality, how that's shifted their journey and what they're doing in their life. It's, it's very surreal to see, but it just shows me how much of an impact you can have on someone and how much influence you can have on someone. And case in point, the David Goggins book completely has influenced me to do this new workout routine that I'm going to start doing. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how I evolve in that process. I can think about someone that you just recently interviewed that they went from working in technology to now becoming a shaman and they're going to start an aboga center. Serving the medicine to people in technology. Serving, serving the aboga medicine. 
what one of if not the most powerful psychedelic on the planet yeah and also i can i can clearly see the checkpoints of our meeting with that person and the key components that had led up to the transformation of that person case in point you giving that person a specific stone you telling that person hey there's something in your eyes there's a light in your eyes so these are just two two things that come to mind right now which have sparked the course of that person's journey as of where it is now these are all things that i think conspired to get that person in that direction and as i'm saying this right now i remember when we were talking about this on one of the previous podcast episodes not at this level but we were saying something about how you know if you look back in your life to any any of the big ones if you just look back at your life look back at what you were doing 10 years ago what has god put in your life that you have been training for preparing for studying for getting ready for that you can now use at this stage of your life mm. how you were saying that you may not have your life purpose was not to be a salesperson for a restaurant getting people to you know come in and get food at the restaurant but you said that that would be one of the places where you really learned how to sell and get comfortable with being rejected yeah and you now can see how that now helps you at this stage of your life because as a female entrepreneur entrepreneur in general business owner in general doesn't matter if you're man or woman the lifeblood of any business is sales so that experience that you had over 10 years ago now is coming back to serve you because it gives you the opportunity to sell your offer to give your offer and to give it without feeling embarrassment or shame or what have you i also can clearly see now the points of my life where i did not take action where i should have hmm that's interesting i am seeing like a movie right now had i taken action in this moment and just trusted i could have i could be completely i could be somewhere completely different financially in my life right now i'm talking about living in london i was 20 or 21 years old and that was the time i was first introduced to trading to forex trading to cryptocurrency trading and trading the stock market and the um the cryptocurrency market i went to a free seminar two day event and i knew that it, it was calling me i felt so attracted and i felt so pulled into the subject and it has resurfaced over and over again and it kept coming back into my into my reality um and i attended a free i attended a few different events on the subject of financial freedom and trading cryptocurrency and forex but i only attended the free stuff but i i see right now there was a checkpoint in time for me if i had taken a leap of faith even though i didn't have the resources the resources would have showed up had i just said yes and trusted that the resources 
would have manifested for me and I'm speaking specifically about a trading course that costed $10,000 which lasted six months of training to become a professional trader in the stock market and they guaranteed results they guaranteed you to become financially successful in trading and that training costed more than $10,000, which at that time I did not have. But I'm seeing this right now. Had I just signed up, I would have received the resources for that. And that in turn would have altered the course of my financial life significantly. Why did you not do that? Because I did not have the resources. I thought... You told yourself. I told myself that it's too expensive. I can't pay for it. I told myself out of the experience and I limited myself and I, I just stuck with the free course, <laughs> which didn't get me anywhere. And what did you learn about that experience? Looking back on it. Now I'm seeing that person that was with me at the seminar. <laughs> I had a conversation with him and he asked me, did you sign up to the training? I said to him, no, I don't have the money for it. And he looked at me and he said, huh, that was God speaking through that man to me, but I didn't recognize it. That man looked me in the eye and he said, just say yes. The resources will come when you say yes and you make a choice. That legit happened. Yes. Yeah. And that was, wow, holy wow. Like, this is, this is so beautiful. This is like God showing me my past right now and God is showing me the opportunities that I missed because I didn't trust. And God is also showing me, God is showing me that God manifests itself through people, through messages to encourage you. When you say no, when you want to stay in an old reality and then, for example, a person comes up and say, hey, you can do this or a person shows up and gives you an inspiring, motivating message or something that gets you think or something that gets you motivated or excited. It's actually God helping you to say yes. Well, I think that is true that, hey, look, had you had done the trading thing, maybe the course of your financial life would have been completely different. However, would that have been the greatest thing for you? Would, have been, would that have been the highest and greatest thing that you could accomplish? And here's what I mean. I trade. So I trade. And I'm now at a stage where after all this time, I'm finally having consistent success with trading. And last year was probably one of the worst experiences with trading, especially because I was really, truly like tweaking and just, being like a mad scientist with my setups and everything like this. And I kept saying, I want to be alone. I want to be alone. I got to figure this out. In the process of doing this over and over and over and over again, every single day, looking at these bars, these candlesticks open and closing and going up and going down, creating highs and creating lows. And I saw for myself how pointless that game is. It is... I'm, I'm sure that there's a huge financial reward at the end of the tunnel for this, as long as I just keep going. And I can see it already. 
And from this point on, it's it's not going to be any much longer. It's just now waiting for the setup, taking the trade, taking the action, let it be done. But in the process of last year especially, the stress and the, the suicidal ideation topic coming up again, I saw my life reflected in those candlesticks. <laughs> it's real. I paid one candlestick of my life for each candlestick that printed. <laughs> that was my life. And trading is going to go on for as long as it goes on. But I'm not. And from what I've heard about you, what you've shared with me, you kept emphasizing from the beginning, my life path number is a number nine. I'm a humanitarian. I want to break the education system. I want to free the slaves. I want to free people from the modern day slavery. I want to help them break the matrix. Were these my words? These were your words. This is, this is a younger version of you. Mm. I don't know if you would have been fulfilled doing the trading. Yeah, this is also what I see on, on the same time. I don't know if I would have came back to London, uh, came back to Austria to do, to pursue the meditation and the mental training. At lifepurpose.com, it is our purpose to support, guide and empower you the big ones in living your life's purpose to receive powerful daily meditations and mentoring for your life's purpose join our premium membership and claim your seven day free trial by clicking the link in the description or visit lifepurpose.com directly and now back to the episode exactly what if you were hyper successful with trading would you have gone the spirituality route had you not had done that and you had amassed lots and lots of money would you have been fulfilled would you have been happy would that have been your purpose would you is there a possibility that there could have been a reality where you were absolutely miserable and you started to take hard drugs to numb your pain because you felt you felt pointless you felt numb to the world but why would that key moment in time show up and present itself because if that moment would have happened this would not have happened you get it perhaps it would this i don't know i can't see it you'll never know i can also think of a huge turning point in my life too where i had the successful it was on the verge of becoming the successful bootcamp business in manhattan and I had a group of clients and I was just at that stage where I got the first check from a client that renewed. And when she handed me the check, she said, you earned it. And around that time, I had these limiting beliefs that I'm not good enough. I need to be the best trader so that people come to me because I don't know how to otherwise attract people because I don't feel like I'm enough. So the idea got in my head, hey, you need to go for the hardest, toughest thing that you could possibly do. And at that time, it was the Navy SEALs. So I shut down the boot camp business and I was training full time to become a Navy SEAL. Like I would run 10 miles a day, which is like at least 20 kilometers, I think it is, a day in boots. I would 
run all the way down from 200, from 190th Street, like Dykeman, uh, in Manhattan, Washington Heights area, all the way down to a YMCA in Harlem. And I would do this every single day. I would run there and I would run back. I would run there. I'd go lift weights. I'd do lots of dips, lots of pull-ups. I'd swim for like an hour. I'd run back every single day. The junction point for me was when the recruiters gave me an ultimatum for a contract. And the Navy recruiters told me, they lied to me, and I had to sign a, a statement in boot camp. I think they called it like the moment of truth or something like this. I had to sign like a statement in boot camp saying what had happened. But basically the recruiter said, you need to go for this contract and you sign this contract first. And then when you go into the Navy, you will then be given an opportunity to try out for special operations. And that wasn't the case. You needed to have a contract first, especially for SEAL and SWIC, which is the Navy's super special operations division. And if you don't, you're, you're fucked basically. So if anyone, if any of you big ones have an aspiration for being a SEAL or SWIC, just know that you need the contract for that rating first. So anyway, this is around 2012, 13, somewhere around that time. And my junction point was when I had signed this statement, there was a point in the boot camp where they introduced people to the SEAL, the SWIC, EOD, and there was another special ops division, I can't remember. And they had us do a pull-up test. And I was doing the pull-ups and I did the most pull-ups out of all the guys, the, the candidates that wanted to try out for special ops. And the SWIC guy tells me they're not giving contracts for, for SEAL. And I felt like I was lied to and I was really upset. And I was talking to a SEAL chief and like, it was just such a surreal moment. But then a couple of days later, I got, I got a chit basically like permission slip to try out. And so it was already like three or four weeks into boot camp, and I hadn't been practicing in my swims. And then they had me go to train with the, with the SEAL uh, division, the 800 division at like five o'clock in the morning. So I went to the pool and it was me and this other guy. And the Navy pool is an Olympic sized pool. It's like really big pool. And mind you, like I grew up not necessarily swimming. I had to learn how to swim on my own. And I was practicing my swimming in a Harlem YMCA, I think it was. And so we began the swim and it was the, it was the seal stroke swim. I can't remember the actual name of it, but it was like a combat side stroke basically. So I'm there swimming and I'm swimming back and forth. And similar to you, how if they're trading with the course at $10,000, that moment came up in my head. I was, I was swimming too fast and not pacing myself. I blew up, I gassed out in the water and it brings up a lot of like tough memories for me to talk about because I feel so much shame around the topic. But in that moment, I couldn't keep going and I like, I almost thought I was gonna drown. So I, I, I stopped swimming, I went to the side of the pool to catch my breath because I was just so out of it, I was so gassed out. And then I got up, I left the pool and as I was putting on my clothes, a SEAL guy tells me to hurry up and put my clothes on so I can get out. And I tell him, I ask him, 
when can I try out again? He said, you can't, you blew your shot. And I still to this day, I feel so much shame around that because like at that time I was really gung-ho about being a SEAL and doing that, you know, the idea of like jumping out of airplanes and traveling all around the world, doing all this training, that was really exciting to me. And for a while, shortly thereafter, I was stationed in Groton, Connecticut, and I was very unhappy. I was very depressed. I just kept reliving that moment, and I was becoming so bitter. I felt like I couldn't trust anyone in the Navy, you know, because it was, again, a male topic. The man lied to me. The Navy recruiter lied to me. Several of them said, said you could do this, but then that actually wasn't the case, and I went and I trusted them. And I got out shortly thereafter, and I was just so depressed, suicidal, etc. Looking back on it now, though, all these years later, all these years later, as I'm now going through this book, listening to David Goggins, listening to his story about being a Navy SEAL, I think to myself, wow, that's actually the greatest thing that never happened to me. <laughs> you know why? Because, hey, look, Navy SEALs might be some of the baddest men on the planet, and that's awesome, and you do shit that not even 1% of the world does, that's awesome. But the fact of the matter is, if you're in special operations, you're very likely going to kill people. You're like very likely an assassin. And you are a highly trained individual that you learn how to shoot weapons. You learn CQT, uh, close quarter combat. Yeah. You learn, you learn all these different things like Krav Maga. You learn how to do, you're basically a weapon, a human weapon. You can, you can do some damage basically as an Navy SEAL. And there was a part of me that was the younger version of me before I had my spiritual awakening that would have been like, damn, that's so badass. But the reality is you're going to you're gonna get a gun and you're going to start shooting people, right? You're going to go to other parts of the world and you're going to do, you're going to do reconnaissance and you're going to do all types of stuff. Jumping out of planes, swimming in the ocean in the middle of the night with the great white sharks, planting bombs and tracking devices on ships in the middle of the night when it's pitch black, you do all these types of things. And so looking back on it, the reason why I say it's the greatest thing that never happened because, hey, look, the reality is also, even though you're highly trained, the chance of you getting killed is incredibly high. There is a movie called Lone Survivor starring Mark Wahlberg. And in that movie, it basically talks about the real life story of four Navy SEALs that were on a mission called Operation Red Wing, I think it is. And there was only one survivor. All the other SEALs died. They died in, in a gunfire, in gunfight. And so I'm talking about this because had I done the SEAL training, had I gone through that process, had I, would we have gone to this point? And so that's why I say it's the greatest thing that never happened to me. Trading, think about how interesting this is for you. Why is it that trading still to this day is still a part of your life? It's probably meant to be a part of your life, but not in the capacity that you thought it would be in. And to wrap this up, this idea of what if I did take this path? What if I did not go down this alleyway and if I went down this thing, what would have happened? What if that one path that you would have gone down would have been the end of the road for you? Like really think about- What do you mean by the end of the road? What if it would have killed you, mm. right? 
there is a reason I'm sure where why the Bible I haven't found it yet because we haven't gone that far in the Bible. But I'm from what I remember about the Bible, the Bible talks about something about you can't have two masters. You can't serve both God and money because you're going to love one and hate the other. Well, what if you went down that trading route, Hema, and you were a hyper successful trader, but in the process of being a hyper successful trader, you weren't grounded enough. You had all these fake people around you and they were like leeches wanting money from you. And what if you had a bad apple in your crop, in your harvest, right? A bad seed hanging around you and they wanted to kill you for, for whatever you had. I don't know. Who, no one knows. You would never know. The same thing too, like with the whole Navy thing. Had I passed that swim test, had I not had that moment of, ah, I, I can't breathe right now. I got to get out of this pool. Same thing with you with the trading. Oh, I can't afford this course. It's $10,000. What would that have led you to? What would the path have been for you? Would you have had this path? I don't know. I really don't know. And I say for myself, it is the greatest thing that never happened to me because I truly believe though that what I may be able to contribute with LifePurpose.com far exceeds what I may have been able to contribute as a Navy SEAL. Mm. My experiences with trading is that it's a very selfish individual type of profession. The only person that is going to really honestly benefit is my bank account. It's only going to really benefit me. It's going to benefit the both of us because we're together, yes. And trading is a skill that I have for life if I need financial resources, yes, sure. But in terms of impacting someone else's life, in, in terms of impacting millions of people's lives just by our words just by these ideas that we're sharing i don't know i don't know if you would get the same return mm. you get what i'm saying it's the same reason too why i gave up personal training because personal training is a very one-on-one -on -one thing but running a content company creating a content company lifepurpose.com that's a global thing you know that makes me sorry you weren't finished. You were going to say something else. Please, go ahead. Mm. This brings me back to the topic of aligning to the highest timeline for your life. And how do you know that you are on your highest timeline that is in alignment with the divine will for your life, right? There, every single day, there are opportunities and there are choice points. Every single day, we are making decisions and choices. And... I believe when it comes to living our purpose, it is about being in alignment with your highest timeline. And what is your highest timeline? It's your divine timeline that is for your greatest and highest good. And yeah, I mean, I don't have a point with this uh, necessarily. I know what you're saying. It's what God put you here on earth to do. And that's the point of why I'm sharing what I'm sharing with you now. Was it, was it you with the trading that that was the thing that you wanted to do? The ego. Or right. is it God that wanted you to do that thing that you're doing? Is it me that wanted to be a Navy SEAL, Gabriel, Sarah? It, or is it God that wanted me to be a Navy SEAL? From the story that you're sharing about the Navy SEAL timeline, it sounds very much like ego-driven. It was me. Because you wanted to be... I wanted to prove something. Yeah, exactly. And you wanted to be the 1% and you wanted to be special. You wanted to feel... I wanted to feel that, like, like I was worthy. Exactly. I wanted to feel like I was something. 
like I was worth something. And that's exactly the same thing that David Goggins said. A lot of that was very machismo, ego-driven. Uh-huh. And I can understand why from hearing what he's saying from his story and how that also benefited him. Because in his book, he's talking about breaking the limitations of your mind. That's the whole point of why he's talking about all the crazy, intense training that he's done with special operations, with the Navy, with Delta Force, with Army Ranger School, breaking his feet, breaking his bones, doing ultra marathons. There is something greater inside of us that is laying dormant. There is a power inside of us that we haven't even tapped into. Yes. And what we're doing is we're playing small. We're playing beneath our potential. And we're calling that we're giving our best. When there is a whole nother level that we can break through, but we have to break those limitations. We have to break those shackles of the mind. Yeah. And I believe a lot of it has to do with comfort. It's just feeling comfortable with your day-to-day -day life. Yeah. It's, it's comfortable to play beneath your potential, I would say. And coming back full circle with what you were saying at the beginning of the podcast, how you opened up. In essence, you said, if you want, if you do something radically different, your life is going to be radically different. I'm not saying that you need to run ultra marathons. I'm not saying that you need to go and do Navy steel training. None of this. I am saying, if you know that you're a big one, put yourself in those situations by taking the massive action that you know you need to take. And do the things that are going to positively impact you five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. Like, think about this, Hema. Just by having a consistent pace and treating this as a marathon, treating this podcast, treatinglifepurpose.com as a marathon and not as a sprint, there is no end point to this. It's just, this is for life. We're just training for life with this. If we hold up that psychology and we laid the foundation down one brick at a time, how powerful will that be? What's the compound effect? What's the return on investment going to be 10 years from now? Not in our bank account, only in the lives of other people. If you keep going for 20 years, 30 years, how much of a return on investment would you see in the lives of people that come after you? And I think that's the more important thing. That's what God has you here for. It's not for you to play small because even still with the trading, I still think that that's playing small. Hmm. Even with the Navy SEAL thing, I think that's still playing small. So what? I think what's bigger than that? Service to others. Being in service that, to others. That's a message right now. Wow, that is so interesting. This message that you just shared is the same message that I received from the audiobook from John C. Maxwell. He's a pastor. I saw him live. I shook his hand. Um, that audiobook is called The Power of Intentional Living. And he's constantly emphasizing that in order to have a life of significance and meaning, you have to find a way to serve others. That is, is his main message of the audiobook. But it's also, I just want to share this as well, because you just mentioned it, and it's just a synchronicity that I'm hearing the same things from you as I'm hearing from him in the audiobook. 
he was sharing a little bit about his story and how it took him a decade, about 10 years, from receiving the vision of having multiple churches and bought, bought land to operate his ministry. And then actually 10 years later, well, these dreams became reality. So my point of saying this is, do we need it now? Do we need radical change overnight? Or can we allow ourselves to let it unfold as long as it needs to? What is the divine way? Like, do we, do we want the GMO food, which is ripe and ready to eat overnight? Fake food? Is this for our greatest and highest good? And does that equal your dreams becoming true overnight versus allowing nature to just do its thing for however long it needs? Is it the ego that wants it now? Or is it the highest self that wants it now? Just a rhetorical question that you can reflect on. And just hearing your story and my story and the junction points in time, it also makes me see and understand more about what it means when we say that all roads lead to the great timeline. What if that, how God orchestrates it? No matter, no matter if you had gone down the path of the Navy SEAL or if I had gone down the path of becoming a female successful stock trader or going down the path of becoming a meditation coach, what if both choices would have led us to this very moment? Either way, because ultimately it's going to be God's will that will manifest and that will prevail and everything else is just an experience in time. What if the things that are truly meant by God's plan or a divine orchestration are going to happen regardless? Does that make sense? So if it is part of the divine orchestration for lifepurpose.com to be fulfilled through us and with us, that it would have happened regardless. You could have been a Navy SEAL for two, three years and then let it go. I could have been a stock trader for two, three years and then let it go because the divine will made made sure that we meet at a specific time for lifepurpose.com, just a, as an example right now. The things that are meant to be will be, the things that are meant for you, they will be, they will come to life. I believe in that. I always believed in that. What's meant, what's meant for me will be, and I believe what's meant by God, it's going to happen. I guess we'll never know. Only when we look back at it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the LifePurpose.com podcast. If you found this episode valuable, share it with someone that you know needs to hear this. And until next time on the LifePurpose.com podcast.